Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees. The multicultural mess and secular scam. How are you doing today, my friends? I hope you're having a great time, a great day, wherever you are. Um, it's a beautiful day today. Not sunny, not cold, but it's just fantastic. Lovely day. Um, and I'm so grateful to have had this day today. Um, and to all of you out there, I hope you are having a great day wherever you are. Uh, so today, we're going to talk briefly on a subject. Democracy, is it at stake in India? We've all heard the rhetoric. The Congress is non-stop because it is important right now. I'm not able to do anything. Uh, they're out of power. They're not capable of screwing the country, should I say. Apologize for the language. They're not, they're not able to cor- be corrupt. Uh, they're so, you know, brainwashed with their corruption that it's become a religion with them so in order to pretend that they're the real victims because they're out of power democracy is at stake we know we had obama saying oh yeah there's going to be another partition in india partition in india was caused by the indian national congress yeah they're the ones who started it off but yet we go democracy is at stake now let me just put that in perspective to you because i want to talk about this today I was on YouTube looking to the videos and there was a video that came to me um, about the Prime Minister of Canada, Trudeau, and he was doing something stupid, okay, as usual. I can't remember what it was, but he was, uh, you could see the comments and people were not liking him at all, at all. And the negative comments in the newspapers were all in, in the in the comment section were all there. And um, one person said, "All Canadians must vote for uh, against Trudeau. He is disgusting. He has destroyed our country." And then, of course, um, you know, the other people saying given different comments, and 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 some people said it's never going to happen. You know, there are a lot of woke people in this country, in, in, in Canada, and they're going to not vote for him. Oh, sorry, they're going to vote for him. And one person made an interesting comment which stayed in my mind. And it said, my dear friends, democracy is an illusion. Don't you know that? It's there just to give you an illusion of things. I said, wait a minute. It's exactly something I was saying a long time ago. A lot of people are saying right now, democracy is an illusion. They give you a narrative. They run with the narrative. Behind the scenes, they'll buy the votes. They convert you, put fear, some fear into you and play that fear round and round and round until you don't know where you're going and you vote for them out of fear. They run a narrative that you cannot believe and that's an illusion. Um, it's, it's, it's no different than a mirage. You go to a desert, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere and you see a mirage. That's a mirage that they give you. That, my dear friend, is democracy and illusion. We know in the US it's the same. Okay, They play this minority majority. They always, I mean, they've, they've played it for so long. It's like saying, you know, You can fool some people all the time. You can fool others all the time. But you cannot fool everyone all the time. 
you cannot fool all the people all the time because one point of time the cycle will change and they will see you and that's what's happening right now even in the u.s they're waking up but in the u.s you know there were inconsistencies in the democracies uh, there were a lot of votes uh, votes that were stolen that were bought um and you can't talk about it. We know it. the proof is there in the internet, but they have never acknowledged it, obviously, because they wanted to kick Trump out. Now, again, I'm not uh, a politician in that country, nor the, am I an expert, but we know that there are two different sides to it. Um, we have proof in, in the government in, on, on, on the internet showing very clearly that the elections were uh, rigged parts of it, not all, allegedly, I have to say allegedly, and of course the Democrats say no, it was, it was perfect, um, but you can't run that anymore, and has, does it happen in Canada, well no one has the guts to talk about it, but there's some people who say yes it happens in Canada, maybe not to the level of the US, but it does, um, I'm not a, an expert, but just to tell you that democracy is an illusion yes they give you an illusion then they say they're fighting for minorities which is an illusion then they say black lives matter islamophobia transphobia xenophobia all inclusivity the moment you do not submit to their idea of inclusivity uh multiculturalism they'll shield themselves with a phobia they'll they'll label you with some type of uh, negative rhetoric pretend that you're the devil and they are jesus christ the lord and savior and they're coming they need to save you and that's why you need to vote for them so that is basically what their illusion is so you don't have a choice but you have to vote for them that's democracy is an illusion okay and everywhere you go you have the same illusion being sent to you so recently we have the head of the Islamic, uh, Dr. Muhammad Al-Isa, I think his name, uh, from Egypt. He's the head of uh, the Islamic Research Institute. I cannot get his name. I cannot get his title and I apologize. You can look it up. So he was in India recently and he pretty much said, um, he pretty much said, look, it's a very small minority at the bottom of the ladder that's causing all the troubles. India is a very pluralistic country, okay? Um, and it's, it's heartening to see the pluralism in this country and how all people are proud of being Indians. But of course, the, the, the fearmongers, the woke fearmongers, will constantly play the illusion of card, okay? Constantly. So when they don't get what they want, there's fear. And a lot of groups try this. They're not the only ones. A lot of groups try this. Fear, fear, fear. They indoctrinated you from, from the time you're born. And then they play it with different cards. So you don't know exactly that they're playing the fear. Because the fear is the platform, is the platform that they play. And then when they don't get what they want, they have fear. They, they play the victim card or the unbucked card, the, um, the bucked card, the sanatani card. Every card they will throw at you like stones. Um, and then they pray that, oh, they're about God. So I just found an article on, in the newspaper, in uh, a site called Avaz. 
Avaz.com, avazindia.com. I can't get the name of it. Um, and it was a good article, okay? And I'm just going to read it to you because I want you to see what it really is a fact, okay? So when this doctor came, India Arab, there was this article in the papers, talks about India Arab relations date back to the era when Arabs learn sciences from Hindus. Now, India-Arab relations go back before Islamic times. India was this powerhouse. The Indian subcontinent was a powerhouse. The Indian subcontinent um, was full with uh, food, uh, water, uh, medicine, and people, nomads, came lock, stock, and barrel, uh, crisscrossed the land and went onwards to the far east and then came back and traded with India in spices, <coughs> learned at the university centers of knowledge um, and so it goes back more than just the Arabs uh, the Islamic era and so this one article written a couple of days ago by someone called Saqib Salim I'm going to put the link below okay and it says we have generally seen that Indians proficient in astrology mathematics language and medicine uh, they have cures for many chronic diseases. They excel in the art of making scriptures, paintings, and building. Not only do they know how to make good swords, India, Indians also use, uh, use them adroitly. We have received several books from them on medicine, philosophy, and other knowledge. They are such superior race to the Chinese. This is how Al-Zahiz, an 8th century Arab scholar, has described Indian Hindus. There is enough literature discussing the rise of Arabs in diverse fields of knowledge from the 8th century, but very few have ex explored the role of Indians in the Arab Revolution. Also called the Golden Age of Islam, there is a near consensus among historians that Arabs excelled in science, technology, philosophy, and sciences during the Abbasid rule. The Bam, the Bam Kid family, that is a Buddhist family, which held important ministerial positions during the Abbasid rule, is thought to be the people behind nurturing the educational renaissance of the Arabs. So what he's talking about here is that many people talk about uh, Baghdad being the center of the golden age of Islam okay the center of the golden age of Islam where Arabs went to study and uh, uh, you know the Arab renaissance cultural scientific renaissance took place uh, after the capture of Baghdad or should I say the city of Baghdad now many people don't know that they talk about oh the Arab golden age the golden age of Islam what was the golden age of Islam anyone knows well the golden age of Islam happened in what is now called Baghdad earlier it was called Setesfion which was a city on the trade route um, city on the trade route uh, and was in the Persian Empire the Persian Empire came down uh, the family that was the most important had important positions changed political sides they took up with the invading arabs because the persians were very uh there was a political unrest and the persians were not in favor they were not in favor with the persians so they sided with the um uh with the incoming arabs like many people do like um uh, you know, like the Congress are doing now, basically, they're siding with everyone on the outside to get, regain power on the inside. So <clears throat> it was this family 
who who <coughs> opened the door to the Arabs and basically sided with them. And they were the ones who uh, started the cultural revolution, the scientific revolution. They were the ones who taught the Arabs the science and 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 the philosophy and so on and so forth. They're the Bam Kid family, Bama Kid family, and they were Dharmic. They were Buddhist. Uh, so the Bama kids were originally from Balkh, now in Afghanistan, and headed a Buddhist, or according to some sources, a Hindu monastery before their family head. Khalid ibn Barma converted to Islam and joined the Umayyad court. Now, there was no conversion in those days. People didn't convert. The concept of conversion is now, is modern. What they did was allied with. So they kept by allying with the, the incoming Arabs, they formed an alliance. And the alliance was the, the kingdom, the empire called itself Islamia. Islamia or Islam, we call it in modern, in, in, uh, modern terms. So Islamia was the alliance of Islam with the different tribes, different groups. Uh, it was a political, um, a political alliance. And today they call it conversion. But they allied with them and, and that's how they got, uh, you know, they got, they got saved. According to Syed Suleiman Nadvi, the Bam kids were Indian Brahmin pundits. He traces the origin of the word Barmak to Sanskrit. Nadvi argues that because they were Indians, the family came to, came to Kashmir after the Arabs captured Balkh. Khalid received in education, uh, his education in Sanskrit scriptures in Kashmir. So the first Arabs got their education in Kashmir and in part in Kashmir and in Sanskrit and that's how the that's from Sanskrit they moved up the ranks so it was Kashmir and Sanskrit who actually helped the Arab the golden age of Islam. Khalid became one of the most important ministers under Abbasid Caliph al-Safa and al-Mansur. He and later his grandson uh, played an important role in the establishment of the leg legendary house of wisdom in Baghdad. So, Setesfion became Baghdad, my friend. It's not a new city. Uh, Baghdad was an extension of Setesfion, outside the city of Setesfion. But this was already a formed city. This was already a big center of knowledge. It was nothing new. It was not a golden age. It was just a transfer of the age, uh, the golden age, to a new empire. That's all it was. Okay. Um, it is no secret that the Arabs learned the number system from Indians, but there are, but not many know that an Indian pundit was invited to the Abbasid court, where he translated Sanskrit texts, Siddhant, which introduced Indian mathematics and astron astronomy to the Arabs. Later on, more Indian scholars went to Baghdad, and the text by our text by Aryabhatta, Brahma Gupta, etc., were translated from Sanskrit to Arabic. So it was not the golden age of Islam, it was the golden age of Indian knowledge transferred to Islamic scholars. That's how they, they got their golden age by translating and transferring the knowledge. So that is important to understand. It was around this time that another Indian scholar translated and taught Brahma Sapsidan to Arabs, and the works of Aryabhata also reached Baghdad. Several other texts of astronomy and scholars of subjects revolutionized how Arabs understood the stars. Ninth-century Arab scholars Abu Mashkar adopted Indian concept of kalpa developed by Aryabhata 
as the days of the world, which latter became the basis of several treaties on astronomy by Arabs. Knowledge of medicine prevailing among Arabs, uh, Arabs is mostly attributed to the Greeks, which is partly correct, but a major part of their knowledge came from the Indian vi uh, Vides, physicians. So on and on and on it goes. Um, I can go on for this forever. Um, yes, so this, I'm going to put a link on it. This is how Indians, the, the, the Hindus treated the Arabs. Okay, They treated them with utmost respect. They transferred their knowledge. They gave their knowledge to the Arabs. Okay, What did the Arabs do in return? They invaded, they colonized, they butchered, they forced their Islam their Islamic ideas of supremacy on the Indian subcontinent and now they say they are the truth, the way, the life, they are victims. If they were real victims, would we have given them their knowledge? We, did we go to their courts to give them knowledge, to teach them? Our physicians, our doctors, our, our, law, our, our, our knowledge people, our scholars, would we have invited them to Kashmir and Sanskrit, gave them Sanskrit? To, to, to help them because knowledge is the most important thing in the world. It's, the, it's more important than gold. Without knowledge, you are nothing. And in the ancient times, knowledge was transferred. Transferring of knowledge was seen as the most honorable thing to do and spreading of knowledge was the most honorable thing to do. And that's how uh, you spread peace in the world, through knowledge. And what do the modern Muslims say? Oh, well, Islam is at stake. The typical narrative that has been going on for 1300 years. All these disgusting Islamic scholars uh, saying Islam is at stake. Islam is at stake. There's a genocide of Islamic Muslims. They don't know sweet nothing. You ask them anything about the golden age of Islam, who gave it? Oh, well, it's the Arabs who invented the golden age. We got the knowledge. We spread the knowledge over the world. We did this and we did that. If it was not for Islam, the world would be a bad place. The world would be not scientific. Science came from Islam and this is what it is. Now they're spreading a new narrative. It's, oh, there's a genocide. 200 Muslims in India are at stake because there's going to be a genocide. You have all these religious intolerance in India, not one person will say what the golden age of Islam was. Not one person will take acknowledgement of how, how, many, how many Hindus were butchered and killed. Not one Muslim on the Indian subcontinent knows uh, about the golden age, how the Hindus were behind the golden age of Islam. They were the impetus and the, and the foundation of the golden age by giving to our Arab brothers because at one time we were all the same, we were all nomadic people and transferring knowledge was important. But this is the, the nonsense. And then you have people like the TMC Mamta Banerjee, you have... Um, um, goons like uh, Rahul Gandhi going to America, going to the UK, going to places and say, oh, democracy is at stake. This is the narrative, my friend. This is the narrative. Um, so they've, they, they shield themselves with a victim mentality. They keep all the knowledge from you. They feed you, feed you, feed you, feed you, feed you with ignorance. They put you on a plantation. They isolate you and then they'll 
they'll give you what they want you to hear and then they'll say and then they say oh we put sanctions on you because this is the foundation of their sanctions the ignorance the isolation the arrogance um and they're not able to colonize our minds anymore because people can talk to the internet people can talk through podcasts to videos and we are telling the story of the lies we were told and the lies are still being told the, Rahul Gandhi says the democratic institutions are coming down so what do they do they stoke the fires they they ethnically label you racially profile you they will isolate these labels they will put you on a victim plantation they will feed you with negativity they will feed you with hate they will feed you with phobias they will make you scared they will run a, a, a narrative of fear they'll spin that fear with different labels so you can't really see it and then they'll ask you to go and you know um play light the fire on the other side you must stand up you must resist the big bad hindus you must you must you must then there is a conflict a conflict comes and then there's fire when the fire comes they run and for might say look look it's the big bad hindus i told you this is what they are doing and this this is how they do it they are not going to tell you the truth they are not going to tell you uh, what it should be known they're not going to tell you history they're not going to show you history they will have their narrative and pretend that they are they, they pretend that they were they were the victims why don't they give you narratives because they spend the last 1300 years full of genocide um they're the ones who created the genocide they know the cycle is going to change and if the cycle is going to change they're going to they, it's going to come down on them but will they take the responsibility and say okay what happened happened we're sorry we can do this a better way we can go the a, a different side we can go a better way we can stop playing the divide and rule we can stop shielding ourselves with ignorance with arrogance we will stop racially profiling you we will stop ethnically profiling you and we will all win together together we will win together we'll have peace no they want power power and more power power only has to stay with the prince of india rahul gandhi and so here we go recently there was uh, i'll give you another example there was the manipur violence okay the church was fueled this fire the church fueled this fire okay 90% we know of the land in manipur is owned by the christians the hindus are not able to buy land in in the christian side but the christians are allowed to buy the 10% land so they keep on invading sending their illegals uh then you have the bangladeshis coming and what do you expect the hindus to do do you think that they're not going to revolt they're not going to ask for protection of course if it was the reverse they'll still do it so when the fire is lit this oh no no look the christians the christians and among them the catholics will say oh no we we got the hit the most everyone's running for being the most the biggest victim over there the church obviously is going and spreading the narrative in the west that the church the roman catholic church um has gone to the vatican has gone to the us and is very clearly telling the leaders of the west look they're burning our churches we need money and the west is now drumming up the beat and saying yes we're going to put sanctions on india uh, they're looking to put they can't but they're looking to put they will spread the narrative religious intolerance on india because they have to spoke the fire 
religious intolerance, religion, religious freedom is at stake. Why? Because they stoked the fire. It's very much like the 1980 um, Afghanistan, uh, in US Afghanistan war. The US laid a trap for Afghanistan, okay? US and Pakistan laid a trap for Pakistan in 1978, 1979. Am America gave um, Pakistan money. Pakistan wanted money, took the money, used it for insurgency in Kashmir, used it for insurgency in Punjab, and that's how you have the Khalistani movement going on right now. Uh, and they used it to create, to send uh, Baluchistan uh, thugs or Mujahideen into Afghanistan to create problems, to create tensions. And then they said, oh, look, 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 the tensions, uh, the Russians are coming, um, the Baluchistan, our brothers are there to, to help the Afghans, but because the Russians are coming, but it was the Pakistanis who laid the trap. The more money they got, the Afghans, the, the Soviets came in, and then there was a war. The moment the Soviets came in with boots on the ground, the US invaded through Pakistan and the CIA. Guess what? It was over after that, eight years of war. It's the same thing they're doing now. They did the same thing with the Ram Temple, uh, the Babri Masjid Mosque. There was a deal struck with the Muslim side. There was a deal struck with the Hindu side to take over the mosque and build a temple. It was a deal. The Indian National Congress under Rahul Gandhi stopped the deal. Sorry, under Rajiv Gandhi, sorry, stopped the deal. Why? Uh, because they did not want the Chandrasekhar government to get the the credit for it. Because the Congress is the best. You have to show that the Congress is the best, and they will have. And and then after, once the Congress is the best, they have to get credit for everything. But the Chandrasekhar government did everything in the 1990s. They did all the work, but they weren't minorities. So they needed the okay of the Rajiv Gandhi-controlled Congress. Rajiv Gandhi said no. And his, and his uh, consultant said no. Then he bought the, the Chandrasekhar government down. In the event, he was assassinated. When he was assassinated, uh, there was elections going on that back then. The Congress won out of a sympathy vote. They came in and they removed the whole deal. They said, no, the deal's not going to. Why do you not want the deal to go through if you know very well that it's going to have peace? Whether it's your government, his government, you want peace. Does it have to be attributed to you? According to the Indian National Congress, yes. Everything that good that goes on in the country has to be attributed to them. Okay, but then why didn't you do it yourself? Why didn't for 65 years you've had chances to do something good, to raise a country out of nothing? You didn't. But now you're taking... But So now you're unhappy. No. They had to bring it down. As a result of which, the Hindus were unhappy, the Babri Masjid came down, and now, 25 years later, they're blaming the BJP and the RSS. They will not say, no guts to say, that they stopped. They, they brought down, they stopped the deal between the Chandrasekhar government, the Hindus, and the Muslim side to transfer that mosque to the Muslims. They will not say it. And this is the same thing that they're doing now at the Manipur violence. The Manipur violence was instigated by a narrative set by the churches and their missionary counterparts to colonize and the whole area to proselytize and convert the whole Northeast into Christianity. 
um, thugs that they are and those people then and now you have a violence of a fire that was lit this fire then spread with violence all over the place you have bbc trying to show that oh my god manipur is burning under the hindus when their own commentators are are, are engulfed in a sex scandal with young boys uh young boys um so yes uh but the bbc is promoting this oh my god look at the hindus look at the hindus the same way the church the roman catholic church in manipur has gone to the vatican apparently allegedly gone to the us and and lobbying the us to put sanctions on india so that um they can continue um they can continue proselytizing and take over land in in the northeast and in india convert this country to christianity that is what they want to do they don't care that india is doing better the church gives two hoots if india is as poor as poor can be the more poorer the better it is just like they made africa poor just like they've made south america poor just like they've made every single country that they touch they've made it poor the people have got problems there are drugs all about the place there's unemployment there is violence there is divorce there is um everything you can think of all the problems in the world yet they don't care about it as long as they're in power they're controlling their narrative rules they will sing you a picture that some jesus christ is coming some muhammad is coming allah is coming doesn't matter but they cannot stand to see that someone who does not ally with their ideology is doing better so democracy is at stake democracy their democracy the democracy that is an illusion so that they spin the narrative and you become entrapped in that narrative they play the divide and rule us versus them him versus me a god versus satan they play this flat earth narrative and once they play that narrative you will be their slave for another 3000 years and that is the long and the short of the story democracy my friend in their world is an immo- is nothing but an illusion so don't fall for it it's not at stake their illusion is at stake democracy is fine if it allows to run its course if it allows if you allow it to be of a, a cycle if you allow to understand that there are 360 degrees in a cycle different angles and everyone has a right to their opinion you cannot override someone's opinion the moment you override or, st- or choose to stamp your opinion over someone else there is violence the violence is a sign of someone trying to overstamp override someone else's opinion because they believe that only they have the right to speak they have the right to power because the earth is flat it's not flat the illusion of democracy a flatter democracy is at stake that is at stake uh the illusion of corrupt democracy is at stake 
the illusion of a democracy that's cyclic, that are currents and waves, will always remain. And as long as you understand those currents from the waves, they are cycle after cycle, we have to move, we have to evolve, we can never be stagnant, we can never live in the past, we can gain the knowledge of the past of our ancestors, we can learn, we can heal, and we can move forward because we're the same cosmos. Ahambrahamasmi. We are all part of creation of our cosmic balance, our cosmic frequencies. Uh, and any illusion will always remain an illusion. That, my dear friend, is now at stake. But the power from within um, is coming more and more to the surface. We are healing. It's our turn to heal. It's our turn to rise up and reach out to our neighbors and heal, not to submit. So on that note, I take your leave. I thank you for your time. I thank you for listening. Your support. Have that conversation with your friends, with your family. Do not feel scared to have that conversation. Whichever side you're on, it's okay. Conversations are important. Stop the violence in your homes and you will stop the violence in your streets and at your borders. Have that conversation in your homes and you will have that conversation in your streets and at your borders and we will be free from the slavery. I will also put a link into my, um, my podcast. Please do go on to it and read about uh, how India was the foundation, the seat of the golden age of Islam. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the very best. Cheers and stay safe.